It's good to be good to be back. Uh, I appreciate Brother Joseph. It reminded me when he was preaching last night, and I I think I see Shelley back there, and Matthew was here earlier, and Hannah and Emily, but I think at the time only Emily was born, but. Going back a while, Brother Paul said I could speak as long as I talked about him, didn't he? <laughs> okay. Okay, but, uh, you know, one of the things we have in this assembly, we always have, and uh, uh, my sister-in-law, um, Kara, and, and brother-in-law, Sam, uh, Brother Paul and Sister Rhonda and all of them, we go back a long way. And uh, as he just said, he pastored me for 32 years. But I was thinking about reminiscing a little bit when we were back in the... Well, sometimes we get sour notes. And uh, and uh, Brother Paul and Brother Joseph was preaching last night from First Corinthians 12. And I don't know how many of them, if any of them remember this. I bet Sam will remember it. But Brother Paul was teaching from uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, preaching from it. And I remember him saying, well, what about if, if uh, uh, I fall out on the floor there and it's going out there and it's just looking all around and and uh, you don't know anything about it. It's just rolling out there on the floor. And Kara got cracked up a little bit and started laughing. And I thought, oh, well... <laughs> Uh, it's about to break loose now, and uh, then he uh, then he come back and said, "Well, what about the ear? Well, the ear, there's no sound. There's no sound. So the eyes looking around, and the ears flopping up and down like a little pig ear or something like that, you know. And then all of a sudden, uh, the eye rose or the mouth rose out and said, "Here I am." <laughs> And, uh, of course, uh, here, and I, and I am. And about that time, we were, Brother Paul was singing that, and then the piano player just happened to hit a sour note. Uh, and I was sitting right behind Shelly and Warren, and, <laughs> and uh, I can I already see Shelly rocking that bench back there because she knows what happened. <laughs> But uh anyway it was a it was a funny time but uh the, the sour note and the, the seat shaking and everything and then Kara told Sam she got slapping Sam said, Sam, go out there and check your shoes because I think you stepped in something <laughs> and and all our girls were babies about that time and everything and uh and they were laughing and they were laughing. So, you know, when God gives you the fruit of the Spirit, it starts out with love. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit, and it comes with joy and long-suffering and patience and meekness and kindness. And I've often said, if you, uh, if you follow Ephesians 4, verses 22 through 32, uh, Christians will take note. Other people will take note. Because being kindly affectionate one to another and loving one another, you know, that's what we're about. Witnessing to loved ones. Witnessing to loved ones. Uh, the key scripture I've chosen for the 
message today comes from Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, if you turn there in your Bibles, I had to relate that because I was picking on Shelley back there and tell Warren I talked about him since uh, uh, I can do that. I talked about him when he's here. But uh, anyway, Acts chapter 10. And uh, also... uh, all of you, brother, and I, as I was coming down, I was telling Kathy, uh, Kathy, I've talked to her a couple years and said, you really need to be preached to, come down to this conference and you will be preached to. You'll learn a whole lot that you didn't learn in uh, other places. And uh, she kept asking about Brother Victor. Was Brother Victor going to be here? And uh, she met him up when I was in the hospital and uh she said, well, he's just a, such a nice man and everything, and she was commenting on Brother Victor. And, and uh, we, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, anyway, uh, I think in Acts 10, we look at that particular chapter, and what I find there and what Brother Victor said uh, before his message sort of caught my attention uh, there because if you look at Acts chapter 10, uh, they uh, mention in the first verse there, in verse 22 at least, and they said, Cornelius the centurion. Cornelius the centurion. A just man, and one that feareth God, and of good report, and of good report among all the nation of the Jews. Now that's unusual. Because a Roman centurion wasn't very, I mean, Romans wasn't very popular at all, much less a centurion. You know, and, uh, and that really, when I was going through that, witnessing to loved ones. Uh, and it was a good report among the nation of the Jews. Uh, and was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of these. And as I studied that particular scripture, I come to the understanding, I thought about it a great deal. Uh, and verse 24, I want to focus on that scripture a little bit. Verse 24, because, you know, you always liken scripture to your own house a lot. And you think about your own house and what you would want your home to be like and focusing on those people you love. And here is uh, Cornelius, one that shouldn't have been loved by the Jews, but was loved by the Jews and was notorious in terms of being loved by the Jews. And verse 24, it says, And the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, and of course Cornelius there was from Caesarea. Now mark that and keep keep mind of it. Uh, We'll talk about it a little later. Cornelius waited for them, and notice there, and had called together his kinsmen. Called together. You know, when there's something good going on, you want to tell other people about it. You know, uh, when I think about that, uh, matter of fact, after the graduation ceremony last night, I told some people, I said, we have got a great conference going on over in Lyons. And I was going around inviting people over there to the conference tomorrow. 
And, of course, some of them said, well, we're going to be at the lake and we're going to be at various places and all like that. But, uh, you know, I wanted people to come to the conference because I think this is the best thing going on in the state of Georgia today. You know, and uh, I told Brother Paul years ago, I said, the Lord laid it on my heart to have a work here in Lyons, Georgia. And Brother Paul said, well, you know, I'll pray about that. I'll pray about that, and he and Rhonda and Emily and uh, 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 I and Shelley at that time and Warren and uh, uh, Becky. Neil wasn't there then, but we, Karen, Sam, and a few of the members there, Brother Gary, and some of them come on over, and we started to work here in lines. But I, I look at that. We called together his kinsmen and near friends. And near friends. And so you reach out to those sometimes by friendship. Sometimes by friendship and you want them to know about the Lord. And, uh, I, uh, you know, as you would sometimes do, you get your scriptures mixed up. I don't know about y'all, the rest of you pastors, but I do. And I started thinking about, uh, well, Jesus talked to a centurion. And I thought, well, I wonder, is that the same centurion? You know, matter of fact, Jesus said, <laughs> I see Brother Troy shakes his head, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. But it may have been. <laughs> uh, they were 27 miles apart, brother. Uh, one was uh, from Caesarea, and the other one was uh, from Capernaum. And that distance, I looked it up and checked it out, it's 27 miles apart. Uh but I want you to turn back, uh, stay there in Acts 10, but turn back to Luke uh, chapter 7. And I want you to notice there what Jesus said. Now, here Jesus is, you know, this is not uh, a Jew here. Uh, this is not a Jew. He's a Roman centurion. A Roman centurion. But what caught my attention there. And I looked at the gospel there in Matthew at this, but look back at uh, Luke chapter 7 uh, and verse 2. And a certain centurion's servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews. You know, this is just somebody he knew, but he knew them well well enough that they would go to Jesus because what this centurion later said, I am not even worthy to go to Jesus. In other words, he humbled himself before the Lord. And unlike some of the apostles who wanted to be on the left hand and the right hand and finding out who would be the greatest of the kingdom of heaven, uh, and, you know, we sometimes preach that Jesus really was talking about children But no, he was talking about unless you humble yourself. Humble yourself as a child. You know, and sometimes people don't look at coming in the Lord's kingdom and humbling themselves at all. They want to come on their high and mighty horse and uh, forget about the uh, what Jesus said. But he said, when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews beseeching him that he would come and heal a servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly 
saying that he was worthy whom for whom he should do this. Like, you know, Jesus was somehow obligated to him. But that was not what the man expressed. Uh, that was not one that the centurion expressed. He told the Jews, very uh, frankly there, I'm not even worthy to be talking to him. And that's the reason I sent you. But notice what the Jews said about him. In verse 5, For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. You know, for a man that is mostly hated by the people there, his works spoke volumes for it. His work spoke volumes for it. And I tell you, sometimes people's testimony will come up a long time before uh, they realize their prayers are being answered. And if we go back to Acts 10, that's what we find in verse 31. And said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thy alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. But you and I know, and all of us know and appreciate the fact, where does faith come from? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And you know, we not only believe that God will uh, have the Word uh, preached to you, or send the Word to you, He will send a particular person. He chooses and elects a person He wants you to uh, uh, hear the witness from. And in this particular choice, he told Peter. And Peter come into uh, uh, Caesarea there. And uh, he uh, said in Acts 10 and verse uh, 28, uh, he said unto them, You know how that is unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to even keep company or coming to one of another nation. So he was going against everything perceived by the people. Uh, Brother Brooks, why in the world would you come this far, you and your wife? You know, against the people that, you know, sometimes don't always like you. Well, how many of you have ever been discriminated against? You know, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I've heard it. But I've heard it just as much from black folks as I have white folks. You know, somebody is catching it all the time. Well, that's the way sinners do, you know. We sometimes should uh, do some things we should be ashamed of. And uh, and so what come, becomes us, what becomes the centurion to be so good to the Jews? Because didn't they know that the Jews weren't supposed to like centurions? Well, they sort of forgot about that. And somehow this centurion's testimony made its way to the Jews, and certainly God, through the Spirit, made his way to Peter and the rest of the Jews there because Peter had to give an account of his actions there. And we see that uh, he coming to one of another nation, but God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. And when it comes to witnessing to loved ones, I think we've heard enough about the love of God this morning that we know who loved ones are. And God loves the world. God loves His people, whoever they may be, from whatever nation they may be. And it means that we need to reach out. Reach out to those we come into contact with. You never know. 
You never know. As we were talking to a gentleman last night, and I wanted to ask Brother Paul about it. I found out that uh, he knew Grady Rome real well over in uh, First Baptist Church there, and his name was Don. And I didn't catch his last name. Jim might know him, but okay. And uh, and uh, we were talking about music, and then he found out that Kathy was right there uh, in a section of Illinois that he came from, and he started talking about. And you started making connections and everything, but the testimony of the Lord went out before him. And he said, well, how do you know Grady Rome? I said, I know him from Brother Paul. And Brother Paul said he had a good testimony. He had a good testimony. And that's the way the Word gets out. But you start telling people, and you start lifting people up, and you witness to people, and you tell them uh, about the Lord. And uh, they give a good report. And First uh, Peter 3, uh, you know, people will say, well, I don't know how to witness. And I, I tell the people back at Fairmont at Grace up there, I said, I can guarantee you if God sends a person to you and says, tell me of the hope that is in you, I guarantee you God wants you to witness to that person, take a hint, you know. 1 Peter 3 and verse 15, be ready to give an answer to any man that asks you of the hope that is in you. You know, let them know. As I said, I can, you might not have everybody that you meet wanting to hear about the Lord, but I guarantee you if they ask you of the hope that is in you, God has opened a way. God has opened a way for you to witness to that person and be ready to give an answer when a person calls you. Or when a person just starts talking to you, you have an opportunity. And particularly friends, this church has been built upon uh, relationships, not only from Brother Paul's family, from my family, to the children, to the, I've got some of the greatest son-in-laws ever. Uh, the daughters might not agree with me, but I think they're great son-in-laws. Uh, you know, and I told them what they were getting into when they got my daughters and when they you know, took control of them. I said, now you got them, keep them. <laughs> uh, but, you know, but they're great son-in-laws. They really are. And uh, and uh, I thank the Lord for them. And the witness to the children. Uh, Brother Troy, I mean, every day you witness to your children. Every day you witness to your grandchildren. And you love them so much. And whatever, you know, it doesn't have to be blood relative. How many times, Brandon, did I tell you I love you when I talk to you on the phone? You know, he's my child. He's my child, but he's also got a brother back there that I love just as much. You know, his dad, I sat with his dad last night at the graduation. You learn because you love people and you love the whole family. And these little girls and these boys, and they just grew up. And I know they're moms and dads, and they're part of who we witness to. Uh, we move on along in Acts 10:31. Uh, there we see Cornelius, thy prayers heard and thy alms are held in remembrance. People will remember. People will remember uh, how many times 
Uh, I was looking at a video late, later last night, and how many times were they showing uh, Garrett right along with Riley? And, you know, before long, you didn't know which one was whose son or daughter or anything. You just knew that there was a love for both of them. And I told Jim, I said, I know we went to this house somewhere. I don't know why we went there. Uh, he didn't remember it either, but we knew we'd both been there. But we didn't remember what far, but we knew the folks that lived there, and we were very comfortable doing that. Uh, and, uh, you know, you go back and you look now at uh, Acts 10 and verse 34, where I got to move on because I'm uh, running out of time. We see there, then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Now I say that because... Uh, when I went into Fairmont, Georgia, uh, I said, well, they're going to have to find out how I believe, and that is you don't be a respecter of persons. When you go out there and you knock on doors and you witness, it means anybody who will come, please come. Anybody who will come, please come. You're more than welcome. And if everybody is not more than welcome, then I'm not welcome. And, uh, you know, we need to make that loud and clear. Uh, in every nation, in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Is accepted with him. It is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And we will learn about it from other people and the people witnessing. And no doubt that the centurions in both cases that I read about learned it from those Jews who truly sought the Lord and taught what, uh, you know, we talk about legalism. Well, the law is just like the 35 mile an hour speed limit out there. You know, we know what the law is in most cases. How many of you run 35? Uh, well, we don't always do what the law says do, but we know what it is. But the law teaches us righteousness. It teaches us about the things we should do. But by the deeds of the law shall no man be saved. You know, uh, we have to be born again. And Christ taught that. But you look at the thing... Uh, completely out of love. Christ taught us about love and to witness to our brethren there. Uh, and he went on to say uh, the uh, how God, in verse 38, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and uh, with power, who went about doing good. He went about doing good. Now, how many... Uh, I don't, well, I, I don't know, I was looking for Carmen, uh, but I remember a fellow when I was uh, working in the school system here, and Deanna may remember him as well, but it was a gentleman, he just got him a, a big box of candy, and he used to come in the board office there, and he just went in, and he was just smiling, and he offered a piece of candy uh, to everybody who wanted one or whatever treats, but he just wanted to come in and say, you know, I just want to say, have a blessed day. Have a blessed day. I'll be praying for you. 
Uh, but, you know, I want you to know I appreciate the job you're doing out here. And, you know, I want to encourage you every way possible. And he always had a big smile. And, you know, I thought, well, the Christians do that a lot. You know, but I, I tell you, some of the folks had eaten prunes for breakfast because they somehow they finally got a smile on their face and said, well, thank you. Well, thank you. Well, we as Christians should do exactly that. Not that everybody's going to smile when they see us coming. Uh, but we have an opportunity to witness. We need to take it. And I guarantee you the first impression that you make on people a lot of times is a lasting impression. It's a lasting impression. And uh, make, make the most of it. Make the most of it. Uh, who were went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And he said there, we are witnesses. We are witnesses of these things. You know, you don't have to write a life story and know the whole Bible, but you can witness with whatever you have that's available. And when you learn the Scripture just a little bit, whatever somebody has done for you, and telling you something, you tell to them. I appreciate the witness that I see of some of my family members. I appreciate the witness, Rhonda, when you come and you tell me, you know, I really miss you. I really, uh, I really look forward to you coming. Uh, you know, people go over to Brother Paul's house and Rhonda's and hang out just as much as my youngest did when they were coming up. And likewise, when they come over to my house, and I want them to feel welcome, feel welcome. I'm not there. You know, uh, I look at Jesus and what he said to the woman who was taken up in adultery. You know, gracious life. They said they come accusing, and uh, I believe it's John the 8th chapter. They come accusing and said, you know, we've taken this woman in the very act of adultery. The very act. Uh, I don't know what they deal with the man, but they took the woman. And, uh, of course, you know the rest of the story. They, uh, uh, they wanted to see, uh, what Jesus would do with that. And, uh, Jesus, uh, stooped down and started riding on the ground and, and he said, uh, who is out, who that is without sin, uh, let him cast the first stone. And, uh, then one by one, I think the eldest went first. They took off first, and the younger hung around, and then they went. But one by one, and then he stood up and said, Woman, where is thy accusers? Of course, you know, the Jewish law, two or three witnesses, but there wasn't. There was no one left. And Jesus said, Neither do I accuse thee. Neither, yeah, he knew she'd sinned. But neither do I accuse thee. So do you need to go out there and tell somebody about their sin before you can witness to them? I guarantee you when the Spirit gets on a person's heart, they'll repent of their sin. They know perfectly well about the sin, but Jesus said, Go, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Enough said. Enough said. You know, when people are not such in an accusatory state, 
they can talk to a lot more people. You know, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Witnessing to people. Witness to your loved ones. I wasn't sure whether he was holding up a finger or doing his mustache. <laughs> Give me time. Uh, okay, great, great. That's four more than I thought I had. Uh, in Second Timothy 2 and verse 2, it says, If a man depart from iniquity and purge himself from these, he's talking about a great house, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use. Now, I don't have time to go back and preach all that. But you need to know that a great house, there are vessels of honor and there are vessels of dishonor. And you need to go back and study that chapter out and you need to figure out which sort, what sort of you. Are you meet for the Master's use? Have you prepared yourself for the Master's use? What do you need to do to prepare yourself? You know, start with prayer. Start with prayer. And then, you know, I remember the state teacher of the year. I remember his first name was Guy. About 15 years ago, he said, I got on my knees and I prayed for my students every day. Every day. And I think about Landmark Baptist Church and I think about all the churches you brothers and sisters represent. And I pray for you. I pray for you. Because First Peter 5 there says, you know, the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And he said, right after that, he said, the same, the same temptations that happen to you are out there in your brothers each and every day. No matter what you think's going on in your life, it's so great. It's going on in your brothers' and sisters' lives, too. You're going to be met with the same resistance. The devil as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And if I know that the devil is out seeking one of my grandchildren or my children or my relatives or my brothers and sisters in the Lord, don't you know that I want to be about my Lord's business and witnessing every opportunity I have. We uh, we see Brother Paul was constrained to do a work in Tombs County. Today, the work is being done in the hearts of men and women. Uh, I take pleasure in knowing that. Revelation 2 and verse 19. The gospel says, I know thy works and charity and service and faith and patience and thy works and the last to be more than the first. That which you have already hold fast till I come. Hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give the power of the nations. And he shall rule over them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter. Now, we know that the Lord's bride, 
is going to come and reign rule with him. We are a nation of priests. And we are a nation of people that are going to be witnessing with the Lord. And certainly that opportunity is from the time that you enter into the Lord's kingdom so that God's kingdom would be complete not only as it is in heaven but also on earth. And I thank God for that opportunity and I hope you realize that he has given you that opportunity as one of his children. Thank you for your time and attention, brother.